Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's hear it for our super producer, Max the Duelist Williams. Mm -hmm. Always dueling, this guy. (laughs) Man, how come Abe Lincoln had to rock that tall hat? He's already so tall. Did he really need that flex? It seems a little odd. Yeah, yeah. You got to wonder if he wore platform shoes, too. Or or was that incorporated into his height? Like, is his head just the the tall, like a cone head kind of situation? And he had to wear the hat to Mm -hmm. look a little more normal. We were he just was talk- actually 4'11". Yeah, we were just talking about the dual role of hats sometimes. They can <laughs> sort of serve as helmets, uh-huh. as, uh, as as cosmetic cover-up for any unsightly lumps or bruises you yes. might have. Yeah. yeah, okay, no, no, no. We're all friends here. I'll come clean with our ridiculous historians. I'm Ben, and I have repeatedly hit my head on some uh, some heavy things while moving into a new place, so I'm wearing a hat until the contusions go away. We support you, Ben, in your convalescence. <laughs> Thank you. And, and you're, you're Noel Brown. And we, yeah, we're going to talk today in uh, live and in person in our brand new super fancy podcast studio. We're going to talk about one of our favorite presidents, Abe Lincoln, who looks weird, clean shaven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very. It's like his face is is, is like a, a California raisin. It's very weird. He's got a very small chin. I mean, that's the thing about people with beards. They often don't have strong chins. I, for one, do not have a strong chin. I've never uh, seen it. Well, you never will. I probably never will. No, that's why the beard adds a little bit of length. It gives an extension to my, uh, to my face. Uh, without it, it would look uh, like a shrunken head. 
I've got a, I've got a pretty, um, I got a chin that kind of insists upon itself, a prognathic jaw, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I got to tell you, I have immense respect uh, for you with your beard game because I haven't had a beard this big or this long since I lived in Central America, and it's just driving me crazy. I got to find my razors, my Manscaped razors. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> Brought to you not by Manscaped, but they make good products. Uh, not meant to be used on the face, though. Uh, they make that really clear in their ad copy. It's for some other part of your body that eludes me. Well, I'm a bit of a maverick. Yes, you are. <laughs> so, I've always yeah. said that. So, uh, so is Abe Lincoln. There we go. Segway. Uh, Abe Lincoln is, I believe, correct me on this, the tallest or one of the tallest presidents in American history so far? Mm, I believe our boy LBJ, old Jumbo himself, uh, known for having large parts, um, was tied with Lincoln at 6'4". And if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Max, uh, one of the more recent presidential figures is also up there. Yeah, the 44th president is 6'4". For himself. So. Oh wow! So we are maxed out at six four for presidential height. Any anything taller is just too freakish for America. Mm-hmm. That's why they're until no- we elect uh, President Shaquille O'Neal. At oh yeah, 7-1. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, be careful, be careful, Max. Uh, we've said we've had to say this in interviews before. Shaquille O'Neal runs Atlanta. Well, he he owns one particular Papa John's restaurant, and it says on the outside Shaquille O'Neal's Papa John's. He owns that Krispy Kreme that burned down and is getting rebuilt on Ponce too. Got it. I'm, maybe I'm making up the Papa John's thing, but I'm almost positive that it says on the outside of it Shaquille O'Neal's well, Papa he, John's. He, he does ads for Papa John's, some, and in his ads, he's always like, "Yeah, no." Oh, I, uh, I'm an owner and stuff, so yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't make it up. Good to know. Let's do the sound cue. Who's that sneaking in the phone? It's Max! And he's full of knowledge just for you right now. Here he comes. It's Max with the facts! Perfect. All right. Abe Lincoln, tall guy, also happened to be president. You've heard of him in previous Ridiculous History episodes. Um, we do know... This is a bit of a tangent, but we do know there are studies proving interesting things about the physical appearance of a president, right? You're not going to be president if you have facial hair currently in the U.S. It's really tough. Taller people, taller candidates tend to do better in polls. That's so interesting. My kid actually went through a period where she was very suspicious of tall people. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, like I, you know, I think it was during the pandemic and maybe a tall person brandishing a mask does have a bit of a sinister quality, especially if you're on the shorter side of, of stature. Um, but I think she's gotten over that. But yeah, another thing that comes with being a tall president is you got pretty sweet reach. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the reach. Uh, and if your footwork is good, you can be a real monster in the boxing ring or wrestling. Mm-hmm. We talked about him doing that. Or as today's tale shows us, in a duel in 1842, the story of the Jedi won't tell you, uh, Abraham Lincoln used his height to save himself from a potentially fatal scrap with a guy named James Shields. Mm-hmm. A real pill by the name of James Shields. Uh, how does reach and height uh, benefit you in a duel, you might ask? Well, we'll, we'll get to that. So, in the late 1830s, Abraham Lincoln, who at the time was a member of the Whig Party uh, and Shields, the the nemesis of our story today, who was a Democrat, uh, both of these fellows were members of the Illinois State Legislature. So, this is pre-presidential 
mm-hmm. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And they had the job, uh, they, were, they had the job of resolving interparty differences. They were supposed to be fixers across the political divide, and they were tasked with ensuring state government soldiered onward. But their relationship, which had always been sort of a rivalry at best, got really sour after Shields had a big win in his career. He was named the state auditor. Oof, nobody likes that guy. No, nobody. Like, the word audit itself means that if audit is attached to your job, Mm -hmm. people are going to be weird about you. Correct. Yeah. Uh, In 1842, Illinois, uh, as a state— ran out of money and figured uh, that it would be really helpful for this situation if they no longer uh, accepted their own printed money um, <laughs> as a form of legal tender. Great. Yeah. Good Seems side. like they were in a real good position here. Um, no, not so much. Uh, folks would only be able to pay their taxes with uh, silver and gold, which is what what Jesus is better than. <laughs> right. No, I mean, it's just it's a, it's, it's a hymn. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Right, right. And And most people, it turns out, in Illinois at this time, did not have a secret hoard of silver and gold. Nope. They were used to trusting the paper money that had been issued because, you know, you're supposed to be able to trust official currency. This made the money worthless. This is a nightmarish time. Our buddy Shields is state auditor, and he says— I'm going to side with the Democratic Party on this one, with my personal political party. We're rejecting all the currency. We're shutting down the state bank. This Mm -hmm. is not good. It does not sound like a party I would want to attend. Mm -hmm. Um, So the State Bank of Illinois shut down their legal tender, which had been, you know, accepted uh, for all debts, public and private, up to that point, no longer of value. So um, the the folks, you know, who were the members of the Whig Party did not care for this. And uh, Shields really became a target of their uh, ridicule, right? Um, Lincoln, who was only 33 years young at the time, and um, he was a, a Whig, as we said, and a state legislature, was really against this whole plan. Um, he thought it was a bad move, uh, as did the people, it would seem. So, you know, there you go. And so he wrote some diss tracks. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This literally what happened. He yeah. did. Uh, he, Lincoln was friends with a guy named Simeon Francis, the editor of the Sangamo Journal, or Sangamo Journal. And his buddy Francis said, look, I'm going to let you publish letters in this paper of note under a false name. So on August 27th, 1842, an attack letter against Shields is printed in the paper by someone calling themselves Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, real, real cute. Uh, already, you know, considered a master orator at this point. The guy probably had a bit of a recognizable style, I would argue, right? Mm-hmm. So while, you know, anonymous for all intents and purposes, probably not entirely anonymous to those in the know. Yeah, and I'm sure that there were phrases in that letter that came verbatim mm-hmm. from trash he had already talked in uh, the halls of government. Yeah, he, like, he, like, a, like a rehearsed freestyle. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, 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 like on Sway in the Morning, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so the grift is this. The letter is from the perspective of a farm wife somewhere in rural Illinois, and she's this. saying our neighbor can't pay his taxes because you expect everyone to have gold and silver and this farmer in question, a neighbor, right, whose name is Jeff, also probably made up, mm-hmm. attacks the policies of the Democratic Party and then lays into Shields individually. Lincoln, who is writing as the farm wife, Rebecca, calls Shields a fool and a liar and Ooh. doesn't stop there. Them's fighting words. Yeah, I mean, seriously. He uh, really gets quite personal. Yeah. Um, just, you know, like <laughs> insulting the guy's intelligence, his actual physical appearance. Uh, there's a quote, his very features in the ecstatic agony of his soul spoke audibly and distinctly. Dear girls, it is distressing, but I cannot marry you all. Too well I know how much you suffer, but do, do remember, it is not my fault that I am so handsome and so interesting. What? Yeah, he's he's saying this guy is so stuck up. He thinks he's God's gift to women. It goes off the rails as an attack. And also we have to mention that Lincoln's future wife, Mary Todd, plays a role in this. When we think of Mary Todd, you know, we probably think of the older version of her as the first lady. In this time, in 1842, Lincoln is in his early 30s, and Mary is only 23 years old. She is kind of an influencer of her time. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, she definitely carried some weight in as much uh, as a, a a woman could in politics in those days. Good point. You know, I mean, yeah. to your point, if she was around today, she would be an absolute force to be reckoned with, you know, in, in legit politics. But in this day, she really had limited ways in which she could uh, influence uh, the course of, of, you know, political history. And being an incredibly intelligent, clever person, she leveraged the uh, avenues to power that she did have. She and a friend decided to follow Abe Lincoln's precedent, and they doubled down on the joke. They kept trying to publish stuff with these fake names who go by Rebecca or Aunt Becca. Uh, this is not to be confused with some kind of aspersion on my actual aunts, my Aunt Becky. You're awesome. She's, um, I think she's still somewhere in Edinburgh. I can't remember. Wasn't there Aunt Becky also a character in Full House? I think that's right. I think that's right. I think that's right. Full House was always kind of confusing to me. Very confusing. Why do they all live together in that, I, in I don't that know. really affluent San Francisco apartment? Right. What did he do for a living? Was he like <sighs> the ad executive or something? It wasn't really clear to me, but at the time I also didn't understand things like rent. So. That was a halcyon era mm -hmm. of weird sitcom situations. You know, the kind of thing where the sitcom theme song had to explain the entire totally. setup, like the nanny, the nanny soundtrack. Oh, yeah, or Mr. Belvedere, any number mm -hmm. of sitcoms that had, uh, you know, the plot of the show laid out. Because, mm -hmm. you know, audiences mm -hmm. weren't smart back then, I, 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 I reckon. I, I, I think maybe the setups were just even more complicated. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, so this is, this is weird. So they didn't stop with just one letter, Mary and her friend. They write more and more letters, and they... In these letters, under these pseudonyms, they call James Shields stuff like a, quote, ballroom dandy floating about on the earth without heft or substance, just like a lot of cat fur where cats have been fighting. Man, that's Rebecca spitting hot fire. I know, right? And, like, it seems like her her, uh, her vocabulary is shifting radically, <laughs> depending on which one of these uh, letters you're looking at. Mm, yeah. Uh, they, a little suspicious. They need some uniformity of character. You know, where's our theme here? And then they said, you know, if he has a problem with uh, being agitated about the letters we're writing, quote, let him only come here. He can squeeze my hand. If that's not personal satisfaction, I can only say he is the first man that was not satisfied with squeezing my hand. Yeah, it's funny. Some of these get, like, more and more performatively colloquial, too. Yeah. Like, using ain't and, you know, fussed and stuff. It's a little funny. And obviously, I don't think it was their intention to— I think it was meant to be somewhat clear that this was not the same person. Yeah. Right? It, it was more of a—what's uh, the word? It represented something. Yeah, it's of, like you know? Twitter jokes. Mm. It's like they're they're memeing him. They're meme-shaming him. And you can tell that there's a nod and a wink and there's a bit of like an attaboy to it because one letter even uh, fantasizes about a fake marriage between Aunt Rebecca and Shields. Some fiction, some fanfic going on. Some fanfic, mm -hmm. yes, some slash fic. And Shields doesn't think any of this is funny. Uh, he goes to the newspaper editor and it's like, tell me who these people are. So I may have given him a little more credit than he deserved. He wasn't able to just suss it out on his own based on context clues. You know, he may have suspected, you know, since Lincoln, again, was this like great orator and, uh, you know, uh, also a nemesis of him. He may have had his suspicions, but he did demand satisfaction from the uh, the publisher of the newspaper, the editor, rather, 
together. Uh, and he, he he said, give me the names, name names, you know, Ooh. which is not something that a newspaper editor would take lightly, you know? No, you're supposed to be able to protect sources, right? Uh, but Francis, Simeon Francis, obliges Shields and says, okay, I'm about to blow your mind, bro. There is no Rebecca. It's like everybody. (laughs) Everybody thinks you're a stick in the mud is the problem. Yeah, you are not loved, sir. (laughs) So he gets this information and he says, I'll teach them by demanding a retraction. Isn't that funny, though, that he he obviously hones in on Lincoln, Mm -hmm. the man. You know, he's not interested necessarily in Mary Todd or or her buddy or whoever else got in on this um, this slanderous game. Um, He targets Lincoln, who's already, you know, his kind of public nemesis. And like you said, demands a retraction. Yeah, we've got the quote, too. He, okay, so how, this is so middle school to me. All right, he writes an angry note to Lincoln. He doesn't give the note to Lincoln. He gives it to someone else to carry the note to him. And the note says, I have become the object of slander, vituperation, and personal abuse. Only a full retraction may prevent consequences, which no one will regret more than myself. Ooh, (laughs) sounds like a threat. Right, right. Hey, bro, don't make me hit you. I will say, though, kind of a dick move on Lincoln's part. To do, I mean, seems a little unprofessional, wouldn't you say? Yeah. To publish this diss track under a, a, an assumed name, yeah. like like own your stuff, man. You know mm. what I mean? Like come at him, like you know, with your with your true name. Yeah. Uh, right. He obviously found out anyway, and you know, Lincoln. But he did stand by his remarks, even though he made them under false pretenses, which is a little sketch. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let me jump in here because I want to pose a question to y'all. Okay. For some reason, this feels similar to me uh, when we did the episode about. Ben Franklin when he accused the, you know, other, his, like, competing guy with the almanac of being dead and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Which one do you think is pettier, this or that? That. That. That's, so it's not yeah. that level of petty. Okay. No, no, no. I'm no. not saying what he was saying was incorrect or that he was picking a fight out of pettiness. What he was saying, I think, was valid. Mm-hmm. And, and this other guy was supporting a cause that was not good for the common people. No question. Right. Nobody, like you said, Ben, nobody had stores. Only the super wealthy or people of his echelon uh, of society would have had stores of silver and gold. Or dragons. Yeah. The rest of them only had Jesus and this useless script. Right, right. Because because now the uh, coupon system of currency doesn't work. And that is, that spells absolute financial ruin for so many people. Lincoln says, I, like you said, no, he says, I'm not taking back a word that I said. Here's your letter, pal. And tell you what, buddy, why don't you rewrite it in a more gentlemanly fashion? <laughs> it's basically like saying, take this letter and yeah. shove it. Yeah, you know? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, Shields responds by saying, Let's go. Catch me outside. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna throw some hands or, or you know, pistols or whatever else it might be. I ah, mean, yeah. Have you seen the new John Wick movie? Yes. At the end, it's really awesome set piece where there's a duel. I won't say who it's involved, but they get to choose. You know, blades mm-hmm. or, or freaking you know pistols or whatever, uh, and they do it with this very elaborate system. Like all the stuff with the high table. Never quite sure how these little games they rituals work. Flesh out a lot they of sure the world building. Awesome movies. Awesome. Really unequivocally great. Uh, They end up doing pistols, but Blades was definitely on the literal table with these, like, tarot card situations. This is similar where they are going to have to choose 
what weapons they are going to be using. Yeah. All right, I got to jump back in because the first time I experienced John Wick was John Wick 2. I knew nothing about the show. Okay. About, about the movie, at least. <laughs> right, right. I knew nothing, but it was just a couple of my buddies. We're, oh, we're going to see John Wick 2, 3D, uh, North Cab Mall, which is like, you know, the mall for... It's basically a dead ball with just movie theater in yeah, it, right? But it's like six fifty for a three D thing, and I was just like, okay, what is this movie? And I, I, I look, kind of looked up before, and I'm like, okay, and I sat it, blown away. That amazing. Yeah. Those are so great. Yeah, Gun to, to Ben's point, though, you don't they don't flesh out the world because there's not much to flesh out. You don't right. really need to know some detailed backstory. Exactly. I think they kill his dog, and that's that's what sets him well, off. I, the cool thing is, like, it's like stunt guys who made the movie. Yes. So it's all about the, like, the performative art of, like, you know, fight scenes and stuff like that. I also like the fact that they depend on uh, shock value and gore zero percent. Right. It's all about the acrobatics and the, the set pieces of it all, and they just double down each movie. I think they're they're classic American films. They really are. They are beautiful. Uh, they're beautiful. They can be enjoyed in any language, which I think is an advantage of slimming down on the world building. Uh, and it's still very, it's still a very interesting universe, but I got to tell you, one of my... One of my favorite parts of it, watching through John Wick 4, huge fan of the whole franchise, was I started thinking, hey, these are supposed to be like the world's best assassins. I only see them trying to kill each other. When do they take jobs as assassins? I think we're witnessing in, in the course of the film like a crisis in their community. What's you know? the regular <laughs> week like? Yeah, you well, know? <laughs> uh, uh, Unclear. We'll, we'll see in John Wick 5 when things get back to normal. Oh, great, uh, great. But so Lincoln... Yeah, I, well, you have to accept, I guess, right? Them's the rules. You have to, you know, it's a gentlemanly agreement. You can't be a punk. No, yeah. you can't. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent 
telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the catch me outside moment is going to happen in Missouri. Why Missouri? For these people beefed up in Illinois, it's because in Missouri, dueling is still totally legal. Isn't that funny? It's sort of like people that like have to cross state lines to like get some recreational weed, you know? Right, right. But in these days, like, I got to go over here so I can like kill my enemy. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which what uh, I guess is what Missouri was known for at the time. Backstory, uh, Hamilton and Burr had to go to New Jersey to duel. Everything is legal in Jersey. It's a very permissive state. Um, but, but, you know, back to the John Wick of it all, there's, there is decorum. There are right. rules surrounding mm-hmm. these things. Uh, this is a nom. There are rules. And Lincoln being the person who has been challenged, you know, convention dictates that he is allowed to choose weapons. Now, is now again, back to the John Wick of it all, these cards that they have to choose from, there's a finite you know, array of weapons to choose from. Like, is it a similar situation here? Is it literally just pistols or swords? Or were, like, evening stars or morning stars right. part of the deal? Boomerangs, perhaps. Yeah. Where's Different animals. Mm-hmm. I choose this tiger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and could you uh, choose a champion like right. you could in, in days of yore? You yeah. Know? It, it seems that they had... Uh, some particular understandings of this. There were things that were considered, while you could technically choose any weapon, there were things that were considered like the go-tos, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. pistols, blades, etc. Uh, so Lincoln starts stacking the deck immediately. His weird pre-internet pranking has gone off the rails. And so he says, all right, you want to fight me, little buddy? We're using broadswords, the largest ones you can find. Cavalry broadswords. Yes. Which would be those kind of curved scimitar type guys, right? Cavalry broadswords are the ones that have uh, the the handle, oh gosh, the hilts. Yeah, the one that, like the protector mm-hmm. for your fingies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're uh, pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. They're substantial. And so... <laughs> They're not curved, though. Maybe they curve ever so slightly at the end. Well, no. It uh, looks like there's an there's something called an infantry hanger that is a little bit more uh, of a saber type thing. But I don't know. There's all different makes of these things. But in general, the cavalry broadsword, not incredibly broad, um, hmm. relatively tapered, you know, relatively thin blade, but that big old chunky handle with the uh, with the protector on it. And it's, it's wider than a rapier. That's right, because a rapier is more like a fencing sword, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Really pointy and uh, yeah. But thin. by this point in time, I feel like swords have gotten a lot less meaty. Like I think, like when mm. the real meaty swords are like the 1400s. By 1800s, they were all slender and oh yeah. Sleek well, and- all, often they were um, often they were not uh, functional. They were more ornamental. And if they were functional, they were a, a weapon of last resort. You know what I mean? If you couldn't get them from a distance with your musket that took 45 minutes to load and shoot, you'd pull that thing out, you know, when you were in close quarters and maybe out of ammo. 
the day of the sword have been demoted to bayonet. Exactly. Right? Uh, just stick it on the gun, just in case, right? They get too close. Uh, Lincoln talks talks about why he um, why he chooses the swords. He says. I didn't want the damned fellow to kill me, which I think he would have done if we had selected pistols. Uh, and I don't want to kill him, but I feel like if it comes down to blades, I can at least disarm him, you know, and then give him a chance to to give it up. Back to that reach we're talking about. Right. He knows what his strengths are, and with pistols, he would not have any advantage. Mm. I mean, sure, his arm would be a little longer, I guess. Technically, the bullet might arrive a little bit quicker coming from guess, his gun. Yeah. But, you know, we're talking milliseconds here at that point. Uh, choosing swords uh, was a real boon, you know, for him mm. in the situation. Yeah, he had the reach. He had the height. Uh, Shields was five feet, nine inches tall to Lincoln, six feet four. Now, I want to give a shout out to all our fellow listeners who are not themselves 6-4, you can still win a fight. Uh, you can still win a fight depending on on how you approach it uh, if you are shorter than your opponent. But of course, if you know how to fight, the number one thing you always have to remember is that if you get into a physical altercation, you have on some level already failed. It's true because, you know, it's uh, it's all about diplomacy. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, you Use your words folks. Use your words. Use your words. So, okay, before the duel begins, this is why we all all love this story. Okay, Lincoln is thinking, how do I get this hot-headed little uh, bantam creature to calm down? How do I get him to back down? And what does he do, Noel? Well, it makes me think of that scene in one of the Indiana Jones movies where Dr. Jones is uh, menaced by a a scimitar wielding uh, henchman of some sort who does a big old show, you know, swinging it around, doing all the thing. And then of course, uh, Dr. Jones just shoots him in the face, which I always found to be a a bit of a unsportsmanly move. I also heard that move was improvised. Oh, really? That's what I heard. I think if I'm remembering that correctly. Well, improvised or not, uh, it's, you know, it's a lot like the Han shot first thing. He's sort of a bit of a rascal. If he's just like, this guy hasn't even come at him yet. He's just sort of showing off and then he just shoots him in the face. Not not very fair. Um, But this is not the case because these guys are both, you know, never bring a scimitar to a gunfight. You know, I guess that's the thing. These guys are both wielding these swords. Lincoln shows off his reach more than his swordsmanship, right? A hundred percent, yeah. So Lincoln says, watch watch this, man. Calm down. And he cuts down a tree branch above Shields' head, showing just how much of a height disparity there is and clearly establishing that things are not going to go well for Shields if they do actually beef up. So at this point, Shields recognizes that maybe he's been played a little bit. I'm sure he wasn't happy, him seeming like a bit of a thin-skinned fellow. Uh, But I'll tell you what he didn't know, and they were able to discuss in this moment, was that the letter that Lincoln wrote, uh, I believe there were two under, well, the Jeff and Rebecca letter. Right, right. right. Not nearly as as personal and, and aggressively nasty as the ones that Mary Todd and her pal wrote. When they took the joke too far. They took it too far. Um, and he didn't know that. And so I think this was an opportunity to explain that. And this is, so this... <laughs> to me, this moment is either very tense or it's weirdly off-putting and awkward, like it's a peep show mm-hmm. moment, 
where you learn the guy could have killed you in the duel. But instead. But instead he spared your life and he's not the person you should be mad at. Yeah. And that person was a woman. <laughs> E-cats. Yeah. yeah. And so, so they are not going to be super good friends, right? After this, but they, um, but they understand each other. And if you fast forward 20 years later, the Civil War brings these frenemies back together. Yeah, Lincoln makes him a brigadier general for the Union Army. Um, and that was, you know, well, he, he made him. He was appointed such and that, of course, had to be approved, you know, for a high position like that uh, by Lincoln himself. So, you know, Lincoln in every way comes off as the bigger man here. He is literally, uh, the, he's literally the bigger yeah, man. Yeah. And he also just like, he... He didn't have any beef, you know. He definitely tossed a little mud on this mm -hmm. guy's, um, you know, uh, pantaloons. But he wasn't trying to push it farther. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, if that had been the only thing that had come out, the guy would never have even called for the duel. No, and, he all, and Lincoln just didn't want to get shot, which is a totally reasonable thing. Thank God, though, that the, 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 the um, tradition of dueling gave him that, that opportunity to pick the weapons and that he was crafty enough to realize that his advantage would be uh, much better served with the, with the swords and with the mm. guns. And we have to, of course, we have to point out that his fear of firearms turned out to be very well-founded. Ooh, forgot about that. Yeah. Jeez, poor Mary Todd. Yeah. And, okay, so he... Uh, I mean, poor Lincoln, obviously, oh, obviously too, but, like, yeah. she was, like, there, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's something that happens that totally changes the Lincoln Shields beef. Shields, when he is a brigadier general, like you said, he's fighting in the Shenandoah Valley in March of 1862. He is the only guy to defeat Stonewall Jackson at a place called the Battle of Kernstown. And during that battle, Shields is very grievously injured. Lincoln says, nominate this guy to major general. And someone maybe in the room said, do you mean that guy tried to kill you in Missouri? And he's like, yeah, look, we it's got fine. a lot of stuff going on. It's fine. You get into <laughs> situations. Yeah, bigger man. Unfortunately, um, it's not the uh, in the power of the president alone, you know, to to uh, bestow this um, this promotion, you know, onto an individual. And Shields doesn't get the nomination. It's blocked by the then uh, Republican controlled Senate. Yeah. But symbolically, it did the job. Right. Symbolically, it squashed the beef. And apparently, this haunted Lincoln. For the rest of his life, he was embarrassed about it. And, and he asked Mary Todd, who, you know, was his friend and later became his wife. He asked her never to speak about it to him or to anyone. And there's an anecdotal story that's that says years and years later, an army officer was talking to Lincoln while he's the president and said something like, you know, um, you know, Mr. President, I, uh, me and the boys ha have heard a campfire story about you. And uh, did you used to get into duels? What, what did Lincoln say? Because to the bone, like a cavalry broadsword, uh, he says, I do not deny it. But if you desire my friendship, you will not mention it again. <laughs> awkward, awkward dinner. Uh, Thanks for making dinner awkward. He, I mean, he basically said the same thing to Mary Todd. You know, he, he was like, we, we don't talk about this, you know, and yeah. if you do, it's not going to go well. Yeah, I, I think he, he really regretted it. He would go on to describe it once as, oh, what was it? The meanest thing I ever did in my life. 
That's interesting because, again, he really does come off as like the, 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 the diplomat here. Maybe he's referring to feeling bad about writing the anonymous talk. Yeah, I think I think that's part of it because the whole situation could have been avoided. But you know how it is. Sometimes you got to get your jokes in, man. It's true. And also maybe at the time he thought that that he genuinely believed that if it came from the perspective of like the people, mm-hmm. that it was going to do a better job of communicating the gravity of the situation than it came from like a, a political opponent. So you know, it, it, hindsight's twenty twenty and all that. It seemed yeah, yeah. like a dumb move to both of us, I think, from the start. Yeah. But I think Lincoln was well-meaning in, in, in veiling his true identity. Let's, you know what? Let's see if dueling is still legal somewhere. Oh, it's probably one of those, like, weird off-the-books things or there's some, like, gray area zone. Let's see, <laughs> yeah. Where you can, just in this, like, part where these states intersect. Apparently, according to grunge.com, dueling is still legal in a couple of states. Yeah, it's referred to as mutual combat. That uh, is nuts. Uh, yeah, it says here Texas and Washington. Washington was a surprise for me too, man. Yeah, they're so chill and peaceful and stoned in Washington. You know? mm-hmm. And so, okay, the Washington law says anyone who fights or promotes or is concerned in or connives at fighting a duel is prosecutable by law But if people are not fighting in public, if they're not risking the lives of other people or uh, damaging other property, then police have no reason to intervene. Gotta wonder if that's sort of like one of those laws where like the local law clashes with federal law. Because like if you kill somebody in a duel and it's legal to do so in Texas under mutual combat, you know, statute Mm -hmm. of their penal code— Federally, haven't you still murdered somebody? Yeah, I, I would think so, you know. Um, <sighs> to jump back in here, yeah. in the case of Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton, uh, there was actually murder charges brought to uh, Burr. He uh, he like wasn't really even found like innocent. He It was just like a something went wrong with the trial, but it's like, yeah, for the longest time, it's like, yeah, you can duel, but if you kill somebody in the duel, you're still liable to be charged for murder, so... It's weird. Well, I guess it also depends. Are you just fighting or are you dueling to the death? I think we're all assuming duel to the death, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Should that be legal? (laughs) Like, uh, should we step carefully in Texas, you guys, next time we go back? Always. Yeah. Okay. Lesson learned with a big thanks to Abe Lincoln. Uh, this one just flew by, Noel, and I know we've got a—I know we've got to call it a day. But I'm having so much fun in this in-person recording situation. You know, uh, it, it may not be great for uh, <clears throat> Max's burgeoning megalomania, as, as he said, but uh, but that's that's just a risk we're going to have to take, Max. <laughs> it's one that I'm willing to take. Thanks to our super producer, Max Williams. Alex Williams, you composed uh, this banging soundtrack. Um, Noel, Noel, who else? Who else? Oh, you know, you know, uh, Chris Frasiotis here in Spirit. He's Jeff Coates out there in the in the great wide world. Jonathan Strickland. Uh, and, and you, Ben. You know, we've never never been in a duel. I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, No, I don't think we'll be in a duel with each other. So tune in. We've got some great stuff on the way. We're very excited uh, to travel through 
uh, more ridiculous events of days of yore. And uh, we can't wait for you to be a part of it. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts